Recently, I've had a terrible run of luck. In the month of November, I have spent three full days outside of quarantine because of being exposed to the coronavirus. It has been one unlucky thing after the other. However, as frustrating as that have, has been, I can be assured of several things that many souls, God willing, have flown out of purgatory as I've offered my prayers and frustrations for them. But also, in my, you know, trying to be a good citizen and not, you know, I haven't, I've tested negative and all of that, but just following um, all of the directions, trying to lead from the front, as frustrating as that may be. It has also, on a personal note, given me time to read, which I do, and I do voraciously, so I've read about eight books this month. And not only that, but I've also found some time to do some Netflix, to watch some Netflix, which I, I don't often do. And one show that I have been particularly interested in, I've not watched all that much of it, but uh, more than I normally would, is the show The Crown. I don't know if any of you have watched The Crown. It's about the British royal family, particularly Queen Elizabeth. And the first season, and I'm through, I guess, the first two episodes of the second season, are about her early days as queen. And you watch this show, and it's fascinating. It's historical fiction. I'm sure there are things that are true and things that are not. But one of the things that's interesting when you watch this show, at least the first season and the first two episodes of the second, is that this family and the culture that exists around them are completely immersed in maintaining this power, honor, pleasure, and wealth that this family has. But the more you watch, the more you realize that these people are living in an illusion. They're trying to prop something up, not because they even necessarily believe in it, but they believe in this idea of this monarchy, of this thing. But more and more, it's not quite clear what this thing is. But in trying to maintain it, so much of what they do is comes across as so cold, so distant, so autocratic. They want to preserve this thing that exists, this monarchy, this vision of the sovereign. And so often in our own lives, this too can be our own faith and relationship with God or the faith and relationship with God of those in the church. It's not lived out on a personal, connective level. In The Crown, at least in the first you know, 12 episodes, there's practically no mention of the poor, of those who are in need. They are distant. They are far away. And so, too, in our own lives, when we don't connect our faith to reality and give our entire life to Christ, it can become something cold and distant or something we do out of just perfunctory nature. We come to Mass because that's what mom and dad told me I was supposed to do. We don't come because we realize how much we love Jesus and how much he feels our life. When we turn to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, when we turn to his kingdom as he gives it to us today in our scripture readings, we see something profoundly different than this portrayal of monarchy and the crown. We see a kingdom at the very beginning that Jesus says... The king will say to those, come on his right, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The kingdom of God, of which Jesus Christ is the king, is not for him. It is explicitly and totally for us. He creates his kingdom and gains nothing from it, but offers it to us fully. And not just to be participants in it, not just to be these humble servants, but to live in that kingdom 
totally in the same way that the king lives in the kingdom. To be one with Jesus is to be one with God. To want for nothing because we have eternity itself in relationship with Christ. But not only that. Not only does Jesus say, this kingdom is made for you. I, my goal in designing it and creating it is your happiness. He also does this. He tells us not the kingdom and we serve in the kingdom for the poor, but the King of kings, the Lord of lords, identifies himself as the poor, as the naked, the thirsty, the hungry. Remember in the incarnation, God himself, who is infinite, becomes finite in the body of Jesus Christ. He joins divinity to humanity. So when Jesus says, when I was naked, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, those are things that he himself has experienced. And he's done that so as to lift them up, but also to show us the way. When we turn to the scripture reading today from uh, the prophet Ezekiel, we hear that the Lord desires to shepherd his flock, but he only desires to shepherd those that are lost, those that are injured, those that are struggling and suffering. The ones who think of themselves as sleek and sound and not in need of help, the Lord cannot shepherd them because they don't want to be shepherded. So the Lord is challenging each and every one of us who desire to live in his kingdom that the first thing we need to do in order to be one with him in his kingdom is to allow him to shepherd us, to recognize our need for a king, for a sovereign, for a good shepherd, to recognize our own brokenness, our own sins, our own shortcomings and insecurities, and to give them to him. The Lord wants us as we are in reality, not in this illusory thing that we are chasing after. When we talk especially about the saints, the saints are to be honored and glorified because they are the most human. They recognize their brokenness, and yet they continue to give it all to Jesus. So in our own pursuit of living in unity with Christ, we must recognize our brokenness. We must, this is the beauty of the sacrament of confession, come to the Lord with contrite heart, asking for his forgiveness. And guess what? He gives it to us freely, totally, fully. But not only that, we're not just called to recognize our lowliness, to be one with Christ. We also are called to recognize that as the lowly, as seeing ourselves as lowly, we must serve the poor. To ignore the poor to not go out of our way to sacrificially give, especially during this pandemic and times of trial. Especially now, we are called to live radically for others and in particular for those who cannot provide for themselves. If we fail to do this, we will go to hell. Period, full stop. That's the reality of the kingdom. The kingdom exists for those who have been given gifts just like Jesus who has everything to share fully with those who are in need. Because when we recognize our own brokenness before Christ, we cannot help but see in the naked, in the imprisoned, in the hungry and the thirsty, our very self and God himself. 
We no longer search after maintaining this illusory thing, this image, this profile. We see ourselves as Christ sees himself, and we see Christ in others. The reality of living in the kingdom of God is here and now. Yes, the world is marked by sin and poverty and hunger and thirst, but the Lord has come into it to save it. And he is saving us and blessing us so that we can be his hands, his heart, his mouth, and provide the needs for those who cannot. We are not called to build an image of comfort or to seek after and to maintain power, honor, pleasure, and wealth. We are called to be one with the king who uses his infinite gifts to serve the least to help those who are poor in spirit and poor in poverty and material wealth and to lift them up to unity with all of us and with himself. It's not about maintaining this image of the crown of kingdoms, of all of this glory. It's about being humble and simple and putting whatever simple blessings and gifts we have in the service to those who are most in need.